welcome to the sermon podcast of Redeemer Anglican Church of Franklin, Pennsylvania. Through every sermon, we hope that you are encouraged by the Word of God and the redeeming grace of Jesus Christ. To find out more about our church, visit our website at franklinredeemer.org. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. So you may have noticed that the gospel reading for this Sunday was the same as the gospel reading for last Sunday. And that's because we haven't moved on in our discussion of the, of the reality of true rest that we seek. Um, from this kind of foundational passage that we have in the Gospel of Matthew. But I just wanted to note that. It, it, it wasn't that I forgot to change the passage in the bulletins. But I was thinking as, as kind of preparing and, and reflecting on, on this week's sermon, I was thinking a lot about this idea that, that is, is prominent in our culture and society. It carries a lot of weight. This idea of, of choosing your own path. What path you're going to choose. Or living with the path that's been given to you. Or we use that language a lot. And we commonly use the language of path to, to designate the, the course of your life. Usually discussing those things that, that kind of dictate who you're becoming and what you're going to do with your life. Whenever I was working at Grove City College many years back, that was such a big discussion and such angst. <laughs> Finding your career path. But there was angst because that was tied to who you were going to become and what you were going to do with your life. And in some ways, this idea and discussion is part of the blessing of being born and living in the modern West. It's also part of the curse of being born and raised in the modern West because in most cultures and in most times, most of your path was set for you from birth what you would do with your life, who you would marry, where you were going to live, what you were going to become, what social group you were going to be within, your status in society, all of that was set before you. But in the modern West, in our time, we function under this illusion that we are in some ways absolutely free and that at every moment we are on, on the precipice of infinite number of paths that we can choose. Now, we do have a lot of paths and choices, but I do say illusion because I don't think we're nearly as free as we think we are in the choices that we make. But um, this, this idea that, 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 that is so entrenched within our culture and our society can be part, partially blamed on the 20th century French philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre. I reference him because I feel really smart whenever I 
say his name and cultured. But in reality is whenever I first encountered Jean-Paul Sartre, I um, read his name with my southwestern Pennsylvania accent, and I thought his name was Jean-Paul Sartre. So Jean-Paul Sartre was a French philosopher. Some of you may have heard of him. Probably fewer have read him, and almost all of us have been influenced by him and witnessed his influence around us. One of his, his, his seminal works is this work called Being and Nothingness. And in it, he argues that the one thing that marks the human creature is that we have free choice. And our choices create us. We become what we choose to be. He was an atheist, so there was no designer. We design ourselves with the choices that we make. The paths that we take. But one thing that he does right, and I think he's correct about, is this idea of limitless potentiality to create ourselves is not a blessing but it's actually a curse that rests on the shoulders of all of humanity. But we're deeply influenced by this, this idea that that we have to choose the path and we have infinite choices of the path, but the path has to be authentic to us. It has to be true to us because taking that path is what's going to define us. It's what's going to make us. If you do a little quick scan like I did of the internet, you can see the self-help motivational posters or the, and advertisements or promotions for books. They're constantly hitting us left and right. One read, don't compare your path with anybody else's. Your path is unique to you. Another is, if the path before you is clear, you're probably on someone else's. Choose your own path, not the one others may want you to. Or, don't go where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. Lastly, there is no one path. There is not even the right path. There is only your path. Or my favorite was an ad that said, choose your own path at Ikea. Which was kind of ironic to me because if you've ever gone to Ikea, it is, it is one path that is a labyrinth that makes you walk like three miles back and forth with arrows to make sure you stay on that one path. So that as you are walking along that path and you're just trying to find a bookshelf, you end up finding yourself crying out because you realize that now you need a God of morgue and you don't know what a God of morgue is, but your soul knows that that's what it needs to find the rest that you're longing for. So choose your own path, which is Ikea. But as you see, like, I mean, you see that constantly all around us, hitting us from every side. And the thing is, is choice isn't bad. If you live in a society where you are trapped and you have no choice, you would celebrate the opportunity for choice in many ways. But if we're honest, It's often extremely exhausting. 
Especially when we put on these paths that we choose the crushing weight of justification. Of creating ourselves. Of finding an identity. I mean, in our society, we don't talk about justification per se because we don't think we need it. But we spend our entire lives running around trying to acquire it. And so there's the weight that the path needs to be unique to you so that you can be authentically you. Yet there's also a deep haunting concern about the chosen path because in that path, it's tied to forging an identity and gaining acceptance and significance and value and security within our society. So it has to be the right path that the society approves of. And then if you happen to choose a path that isn't accepted by others, then you end up spending so much of your energy and time justifying your path. frantically trying to get others to validate the path that you chose. And and you do that because because if they validate the path, then it feels like that you then are validated. And so here's the bad news. If you stick around, there will be good news. But the bad news first is that I don't think that society is completely off by placing so much weight on our chosen path. The weight of identity, the weight of belonging, of significance, the weight of justification. But the question that we need to ask is, what is the nature of the path that we choose? And how and why we are walking down that path? So I want to look the remainder of this time at the path that supposedly provides true rest that the prophet Jeremiah speaks of and Jesus, as we'll see, alludes to by looking at an odd prophetic interlude, an even stranger illusion, and then what makes this path restful. So first, the odd prophetic interlude. In our Old Testament lesson, we started with Jeremiah 6.16. But it's actually, 6.16 is right smack in the middle of a longer prophecy. Proclamation of Jeremiah in which he is speaking to a people who know that there is an invasion that is imminent coming from the north country, coming from Babylon. They had already destroyed and demolished the northern kingdom. And they were marching in to sack Jerusalem. And for 15 verses, Jeremiah is telling the people that what they see coming is going to happen. Prophesying of total destruction, exile, death, and annihilation. And then, as we read part of immediately following 16, he continues into that prophecy of annihilation and destruction. But you have this odd interlude. Smack in the middle of verse 16. Where he says, thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look. And ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest 
for your soul. Now it's interesting that he speaks of this choice that is before them as a crossroads. It's not a Sartian infinite possibilities, but two choices. He speaks of only two paths. And he says that in the ancient path, that they will find rest for your souls. But what's intriguing is he doesn't say, follow the ancient paths and the devastation and destruction will be avoided. Get back on the ancient paths in Babylon and their efforts will be thwarted. No, because it's already been set in motion and it's already going to happen. But instead, in the midst of what he is prophesying, even in that chaos and destruction, he says you will receive soul rest. Deep rest. And just a real quick aside for for us is that um, in the scriptures and in the Jewish mind, the soul is not some separated reality from mind or body. They didn't dichotomize things and break things apart like the Greeks did that have influenced us. The soul represented the whole of the person, the, 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 the core identity of the person, mind, body, and spirit. And so this rest is not just some disembodied spiritual transcendence in the midst of the chaos around, but is a rest that encompasses the fullness of the person. He says, the path, the ancient paths. It's not completely clear what he means by this, but the first century, or not first century, the, the ancient Hebrew audience would have likely understood this as the teachings and the ways of the fathers, which was God's prescribed way of life. They would have understood it as returning to Torah, back to God's law. But see, these things, the, the, the Torah, the law, the, the, these paths of life, they were, it were, were recorded in what we call the Old Testament ultimately points back to an even more ancient way. One that was established at the foundation of creation. Where you had the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, in the garden. Which they had limitless choices, but they only had one path. They were walking with their creator in blissful ignorance, knowing nothing other than what our God has told them to do and knowing themselves as nothing other than who he tells them they are. But like Adam and Eve at a crossroads, the people of Israel and us as well, have said, we will not walk in it. Because the fruit of autonomy and self-determination and God-like status in which we tread our own path and find ourselves by defining ourselves with the choices that we make just seems to be over and over again a too tempting of a fruit for us to ignore. 
Remember what the motivational poster tells us. There is no one path. There's not even the right path. There's only your path. And we take and eat the fruit. So like mentioned last week, a lack of deep rest is not primarily rooted in busyness, though that can be a factor that plays in. Or as we see in Jeremiah today, not primarily rooted in the, the chaos and even devastation that might be around us. A lack of rest comes from the weight of creating our own path. A path to identity and to justification. And as we see in the gospel reading, that path can be overtly rebellious or it can appear deeply pious because neither the Pharisee, the drunkard, or the pagan ruler have the rest that we long for. So we have the odd prophetic interlude that we would find rest for our souls in spite of the chaos and destruction around by following the ancient paths laid out for us turning from the paths of rebellion, rebellious self-determination to the ways God had laid out for his creatures to follow from the foundation of the earth. So now moving on to the even stranger illusion. Now, after I, I kind of laid that out, it would appear that Jeremiah is pointing towards some form of legalism. That if you do this and do this and do this and don't do this and stop doing this and then sprinkle in a few practices or, or, or liturgical rhythms or whatever it is, then if you follow these ancient paths that you will have rest. And many have understood it that way. And many have preached the promise of rest in that way. The problem is, is that's what the Pharisees did. And in our gospel lesson, when Jesus speaks of a burden and a yoke that he is going to lift, he is speaking primarily about that teaching that the Pharisees had been laying upon the people. But what's really interesting is that after reading this and knowing this, we go back to the words of Jesus and he does something that is subtle, but quite strange, and yet also brilliant. He says, come to me, all who are weary, all who are heavy laden, all who are carrying great burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. As I said last week, I think better translate, tr- translated, Take the yoke of me. Take me upon yourself. And then what's he say? He says, and then you will find rest for your souls. Sounds familiar, right? The exact words of Jeremiah's promise. And see, in in the first century, and we see in Jesus' ministry, he would often quote a portion of a passage to show that the whole of what that is finds its fulfillment in him and was ultimately about him. We see that as Christ is on the cross, quoting from Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Pointing to that, to that psalm and the reality that it speaks of, that its fulfillment is found ultimately in him. And so oddly but brilliantly, Jesus is indicating that the ancient path Jeremiah speaks of is actually him. But it's a very ancient path. More ancient than Torah because didn't he say before Abraham was, I am? More ancient than the garden because he was in the beginning. He was the one through whom all things were made. See, the path that provides rest for our souls is not found in a list of do's and don'ts. Ancient rhythms and practices Those things help, and we're going to be speaking about that in coming sermons. But at its core, none of those things that that motivate and drive us usually built upon a little guilt and some fear and the carrot and the stick of reward or punishment. None of those are the path. Because the path is embodied in Christ. And what's interesting is we do not seek out and pursue the path, but in reality, the path seeks us out and relentlessly pursues us. Never ceasing. Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the path back to the Father. He is the path towards justification and restoration. He is the path to all that we try to acquire and seek after in all of the other paths that we have been running down and pursuing to our destruction. He is the path. And Jesus is the fulfillment of the ancient paths that we have all, like the Jews, refused to walk in. Because Scripture tells us that he perfectly fulfilled Torah, the law. And he is the perfect second Adam. That in him is the fullness of what we were created and designed to be and called to be. And he is the one who walked down the path of destruction we have formed for ourselves. The path we treaded in our supposed liberation to create our own path. Taking on the separation, the desolation, And death, our chosen paths lead toward, so that in him we receive that which we deeply long for and foolishly believe our self-fashioned paths would provide. See, like the people of Judah during the time of Jeremiah and like Adam and Eve in the garden, we too continually stand at crossroads, being called to take the ancient path that brings us rest for our souls. We're being called continually to come to Christ. For he is our true path. Because in him we find the identity, acceptance, significance, security, and justification we have consciously or unconsciously been striving for our whole lives. Exhausting ourselves in the pursuit. And it says that he calls us to learn from him and walk with him 
as we grow as disciples of him, not as a new path to strive to achieve anything, but as a process through which we increasingly realize the reality that is already ours by grace, liberating us from the lies that have driven us down our self-fashioned paths of destruction as we learn to live into the truth of the gospel, the truth that sets us free and provides the true rest we need. And it's interesting, Jesus is the path, but that doesn't mean that all of those things that society and we ourselves have deemed your path cease. We're still called to careers and families, social involvement and ministry, furthering education, goals and aspirations. Sometimes we are on a journey in which we are just trying to manage the chaos that is around us or get out of the devastation that has come upon us. But whenever Jesus is truly the path, the reality that defines who we are and makes the fullness of everything that we, we are, our value, our acceptance. When he becomes all of that, then all of those things lose the burden that they usually carry because they no longer have that weight that we have placed upon them. The weight of justification. And so then we can tread down those places that God, or walk down those paths or, or journey down those, those ways that God has called us to. But do it with a great lightness, knowing that they don't have nearly the weight or significance that we have been trained to think that they do. So Jesus says to all of us, come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me and you will find rest for your soul. May we all, by God's grace, heed that call. And learn to live out of that place of rest that is found only in Jesus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for upcoming sermons, and consider joining us in person for Sunday worship. To learn more, check out our website at franklinredeemer.org. mercy, my God, is the theme of my song, the joy of my heart, and the boast of my tongue.